Welcome back to Poison for Profit. For the first time in 60 days, 8 weeks, 2 months. Been a, it's definitely been a minute. We've uh, This is going to be rusty this is for gonna anybody be listening. Extremely rusty, a little crusty. Um, but all interesting information. It's as all always. part of the charm of our charm. <laughs> yeah. We're just uh, keeping you guys guessing what's happening. But uh, we're going to be bringing it back with a microsode tonight. Uh, just get back in the swing of things. Uh, Zach will be starting us off, off tonight talking about... I don't even know, Zach. What are you going to be talking about yeah, tonight? So <laughs> there's an article here in The Guardian titled... It's been making its rounds on Twitter, but it's titled... Earth well outside safe operating space for humanity, scientists find. So it does not sound good. This is not a uh, an uplifting article. I'm going to try to, to maybe put a little bit of a positive spin on it. But yeah, the uh, subtitle is First Complete Scientific Health Check Shows Most Global Systems Beyond Stable Range in Which Modern Civilization Emerged. So this is like the first really complete planetary health check, and it uh, it is based on two thousand over two thousand scientific papers on things like. So this uh, this I don't know if you'd call it really a meta analysis, but it's based on nine different boundaries of. The environment from climate change to biosphere integrity, land system change, freshwater change, biogeochemical flows, ocean acidification, atmospheric aerosol loading, stratospheric ozone depletion, and novel entities. So nine different planetary boundaries assessed, six of which are out of the safe operating range as they're they're calling it this would be like the blood pressure for the earth (laughs) exactly this would be like yeah so obviously you imagine earth as one living being like a like a human um this is like measuring uh blood pressure cholesterol you know getting the full blood panel done (laughs) yeah yeah testing all different parts of health right six of these nine boundaries are past that range like i said two of them are nearing the uh the safe operating range or nearing exceeding the safe operating range uh, interestingly enough, the only one that's really not threatened is atmospheric ozone. And there you might people might know like decades ago the issues with the ozone layer and CFCs. Everybody's damn uh, hairspray was ruining right, the ozone. Human human caused ozone depletion, yeah. The giant hole in the ozone layer. And that is now like the only thing that really, I guess, is healthy <laughs> about the environment, which is which is interesting, right? Because there was a real big effort to fix that and to act on that. And it was 
extremely successful. So a lot of these other things that are on this list are things that can be, you know, fixed. It can be remedied if there was any sort of effort by, you know, the general global public. governments <laughs> or, yeah, not even just the general, but, but like people yeah, in charge of, for of sure. global economies and things like that. Yeah. Uh, the two that are not out of their safe operating ranges but are close to going by are air pollution and o- ocean acidification. I can't believe those two are, <laughs> aren't are over, to be honest with you. Yeah, ocean acidification is very close to uh, exceeding already. And that's something that comes from like atmospheric carbon, right? So... A lot of these things are also linked, like a lot of ecosystems are anyways. Yeah, but that one I just think about, I mean, how much the coral reefs have been impacted because of climate change. And I just, that's why I'm so surprised that like ocean ocean acidification isn't over because like the Great Barrier Reef, like one of the most important uh, ecosystems is just dying at an astonishing rate. and. It's like, how could that one not be over? But that's that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's like right on the edge there. So yeah, uh, hopefully it can be reversed or so, in some way, you know. Right. But um, air pollution is referring to atmospheric aerosol loading. So things like sulf- uh, sulfates, sulfites, I don't know. But um, things in the air, obviously, that come from. Uh, human sources the one that is like big time seemingly irreversible is novel entities they're defining that as microplastics pesticides uh, different chemicals that that are used kind of everywhere there yeah Yeah, unsurprised (laughs) as they're finding microplastics microplastics in like the mariana's trench and everywhere literally yeah biogeochemical flows that's like phosphorus and nitrogen coming from uh, synthetic fertilizers used in agriculture Uh, and we know like hypoxic zone is it this hypoxic zone i believe so yes right uh in the gulf of mexico where it's causing you know algal blooms Things like that, uh, really affecting marine life there. Biosphere integrity is another one, both genetic and functional. So talking about things like genetic diversity in, in certain populations and and also the functional spaces that certain species take up in an ecosystem. Uh, insects, for instance, like we talk a lot about pesticides and, and things like that and uh we're currently going through like a, a big extinction event essentially for insects, which is causing this real decline in genetic diversity and and the the functionality of the ecosystems to be able to balance themselves out, right? Because of the the agricultural systems that are practiced around the world. Yeah, everyone hates on bugs, but bugs really uh, keep everything running, keep everything together. They help a lot of our food grow, and they get rid of a lot of the stuff that we also don't want. So, yeah, uh, 
Definitely important Absolutely. to have around. So. Yeah, so those are like the three big ones. Uh, land system change is another one. Deforestation, that kind of thing. Climate change is, is, is an obvious one. CO2 concentration and radiative forcing, uh, like where heat kind of builds up, things like that. And freshwater change, the what they call green water, which is water that you can't like see that's in the soil and in plants, and then blue water in rivers, lakes, things like that. So, I mean, this is pretty well encompassing, I think. I mean, nine different areas of the environment being uh, pretty, pretty accurately assessed here. And a lot of these, like I said, like I'm going to try to to put a somewhat optimistic spin on this. Like ozone depletion is looking great, right? Or the ozone layer is looking great. Things like biosphere integrity, especially with insects and things like that, these are they're really resilient systems. Like if if there's effective solutions put in place, it could easily reverse these these changes that we're seeing the the real issue is coming like from how are these going to be resolved who's going to resolve these because there's only so many people who can like make these actual decisions to to you know put actions in place um but i'd like from just looking at this like these things can be absolutely reversed and put back into a, a a state where you know we can be comfortable where, with the future of of humanity on Earth, right? And I mean, just because we've been talking about the bugs this whole time, <laughs> or when you bring up this specific uh, health data point for the Earth, I just feel like that's one that we just we talk about it all the time. Regenerative agriculture just needs to almost. I don't know if forced is the right word, but have our government force it upon us because I feel like a simple change like that, that just because the big thing is, is that a lot of these fields are just monocultures and like monocultures of, yes, just corn or soybeans or whatever that is, but they also don't really have any other life in them because, for example, like the the bugs that are eating the corn or the bugs that are eating the soybeans are reducing their farmer's yield. So they kill them and their mind that helps them make more money. Uh, there's obviously an argument against that as well, but we won't get into all that, but just uh, if, if we could get something mandated, get something pushed through that. I mean, I, something like as simple as that or, Oh my gosh, what's it even called? This shows how long it's been since we talked about this stuff. Zach, it's like the, where they put in like a, a break of prairie grass into the, the field. So then. That, oh, um, I can't remember yeah. what the name is of it. But anyways, that you know what I'm talking about? It like uh, buffer strips. Or yeah, a, yeah. Yeah. A buffer I mean, that, strip that does, of native. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, that's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like a lot of this just talking about this stuff specifically is just chemical inputs that we use in agriculture. Right. Mm -hmm. And that, that are pretty clearly not great for 
like the environment at large. People think they're really good for yields, but they're not good for like long-term soil health, right. which is, which is huge. And that's like, that goes into a couple of different things, like the biogeochemical flows, nitrogen, phosphorus that are being applied to land. Uh, those things are in the environment and you can absolutely have healthy soil and good crop yields without, you know, just spraying it onto the ground. And, you know, like with pesticides, I understand, like, the idea that that we want to control all these things because the growing population and needing to feed people, you're going to feed more people with a more uh, diverse, like, crop, planting crop and, and, and harvesting more a various like wider range of food types. Right. Um, and a lot of it is going to, to livestock and that's fine, but it's just like these chemical inputs, we need to control them. So they're not doing this to the environment, exactly what's happening and what this study shows. Absolutely. And I feel like, <laughs> I feel like this is the low hanging fruit. I feel like this would help a lot of the other boundaries that they talked about in this study as well. Just yeah, like to... land system change right there. Like yep, land system change. I would think the flow of nitrogen and phosphorus. The mm-hmm. there's the one also with the synthetic pollution. I mean that one specifically calls out pesticides. So yeah, right. Yeah, I mean the only thing here is like. I think the hardest thing is probably going to be the the novel entities because that's in the worst shape right now. But you got plastics and which are pretty omnipresent now. Like you said, they're finding them in Ariana's trends. You're finding them in like the, the the French Alps, the highest point in the French Alps. So I would say there there's obviously this isn't a good <laughs> good sign that that we're in the state we're in, but the it. There's hope. I don't. I don't usually like preach a whole lot of hope on this show, <laughs> but these are like very resilient systems if you allow them to to recover. I'd say, just like we talked about earlier, the the fact that our ozone is in such good shape because of studies like this, where they realize we are having such a problem due to CFCs and. Hairspray is always the one in my head, but <laughs> I know there's other things. Uh, just the fact that we were able to, res- or, or have a, I would say, started the reversal process on that hole, we, hole that we were creating uh, just shows that if we just actually take this study seriously, I think we can definitely make that change. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to, to, to foresee it being taken seriously by <laughs> people in charge, but... Hey, we're just here to to talk about it. All right, Nick is go. Uh, Nick, you got uh, a uh, was it a landmark case here. I I would call it a landmark case. Yep. Okay. Uh, Let's hear about it. So, I was looking at an article today. It was there's a California lawsuit going on against Chevron, Exxon, Shell, BP. And ConocoPhillips, all of our favorite oil and gas producers. The one name that's left out of the headline that is the whole reason I thought this would be interesting to talk about 
is that they're also going after the American Petroleum Institute. So that's the trade group that represents basically every single oil and gas company. But yeah, so we'll get a little bit more to that a little later. But just to start it off, this is a California lawsuit filed on Friday the 16th, would that have been, of August? 15th of August. It's 135 pages uh, legal complaint. Uh, so they're alleging that these five big oil companies and the API orchestrated a decades-long disinformation campaign to hide the correlation between fossil fuel production and climate change. So this is very similar to how or what they went after, like big tobacco, uh, as well as like lead, uh, like the lead paint companies. This is the exact same kind of playbook and same, I guess, playbook. Yeah, same playbook they ran to sue these those companies. They're doing the same thing to the big oil and gas companies. Uh, so pretty crazy stuff. I think this could actually help, uh, you know, because I think as we all learned listening to Zach's big presentation on corporate front groups, ghostwriters, everything like that, uh, a lot of the time they they know exactly what's going on. They're going to just write whatever they need to advertise any way they need to put whatever they need out to to keep people buying their products and keep the money flowing to them and anything that's going to harm, you know, even the harm, the money coming into them at all, they're going to bury it. Yeah. And and they do that just like, you know, you said like they got playbook, they got the tobacco industry playbook where they basically manufacture their own science. I'm really interested to see like the, the evidence that is presented here. Yeah, I was, I'm hoping, I feel like, <laughs> especially after this two month uh, layoff we've had, mm. uh, I hope we can actually follow this case. Cause I do agree. I think the evidence would be very interesting. Cause I mean, a decades long campaign to promote disinformation against climate change, like that's a pretty serious allegation. I would think that they'd need to have a pretty serious mound of evidence and some, some like pretty concrete stuff too. Right. Like I don't, I mean, we all know this is happening, but to prove it in a court of law is a different thing. Yeah. I would like to see what, the, what kind of records they, they got their hands on here. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I really, <laughs> I really would love to see the evidence. Um, but I also think it's really interesting they're going after API because like I was saying with Zach's episodes on the playbook that these companies do, API is just one of those companies that they'll do whatever it is they can to uh, stall or weaken any legislation uh, that is, you know, basically for the planet, for the climate, uh, anything that's going to harm oil and gas companies they're gonna do their darndest to slow that down so uh, i think it's pretty interesting they're actually taking it to them as well because i think this will help 
not only stop the companies from doing it, but that then the companies that, that like most people don't really realize are doing these things because, you know, everyone knows who BP, ExxonMobil, Chevron, all these companies are. I think if you ask most people, they have no idea who American Petroleum Institute is. And that's all on purpose. <laughs> and these these oil and gas companies pay them millions of dollars to to support their cause, which is to ensure that oil and gas is making money. So I think this will really help. Uh, how do I want to say this? I think this will really help just actually maybe make a change in the way companies operate. And they can't just hide behind these trade groups that support them. Yeah, I think like if anything or if nothing else, it would be like just kind of exposing this industry, right? And this this is like one of the big, bad, bad industries that have existed um, in history. Like you got tobacco, you got big oil, you got probably pharma. And then pharma is kind of, you know, if he, they are, they do some fucked up shit, but like, it's important stuff, right? Like, we got different um, <laughs> sources of energy now. There's right. no, I mean, to, or sorry, big big oil can like kind of phase its way out. I think. Absolutely, they should just really. I mean, I think we've kind of been seeing it. A lot of them have been already making their their swing to just being energy companies as opposed to oil and gas. But yeah, it's, it's just ridiculous that uh, they were basically able to pollute the plant for this long. So of course, all of uh, these big oil and gas companies are denying these claims, <laughs> uh, saying that they're politically motivated, which I think is kind of hilarious personally i feel like a lot of the time climate change is so this is just like put on like the liberal agenda which i just don't get that at all i it just seems like <laughs> a way to to divide people but anyways uh, oh yeah i mean it's part of the tactic right yeah. is, is turning it into to something that it's not yeah and just making it political makes it that much harder to actually get something done. Um, yeah, and it's it's it affects the public perception also. There's a, there's a lot of different things that they do, and there's a lot of reasons for the things they do, and it's all part of muddying the waters and and trying. It's basically self uh, conservation, preservation, whatever you want to call it. Yep. Yeah, um, but that's really all we have on this uh, lawsuit for now. All of, like I said, all of the the oil and gas companies either made no comment or said things like Chevron, which they said climate change requires a coordinated international policy response, not piecemeal litigation for the benefit of lawyers and politicians. So calling this just a way for lawyers and politicians to make themselves look good i guess and that we need to go international so <laughs> what does that mean wait <laughs> i think they're trying Chevron to says we need to go international we, we need an international policy not just a united states policy uh, I, I guess 
according to that. <laughs> what are they advocating for? Is I think like maybe like a, they're saying like China, like China a, should be doing more or something. I, probably that's what it's they're, like, Yeah, they're probably yeah. why why wouldn't it's they? not Chevron? It's, it's China. It's China's uh, terrible oil and gas company. Whoever that is, probably Chevron China. <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, API. It also said something similar with this ongoing coordinated campaign to wage meritless politicized lawsuits against foundational American industry and its workers is nothing more than a distraction from important national conversations and an enormous waste of California taxpayer resources. So I love that they throw the workers in there because I think that's always a like a talking point when it comes to switching from oil and gas to something else it's like if we made the move to solar wind whatever those jobs would still exist there's still going to be solar jobs it might be different than the oil and gas jobs sure but there's still going to be energy like you know you're still producing energy in some way you could make the change um so again just kind of and of course, again, they make it, they, they're calling it politicized lawsuits. Like we talked earlier, that just muddies the water. Cause then if you, if you support the planet, now you're a liberal, radical liberal, or <laughs> it's just, yeah, if you want, if you want people held accountable, you're like a demon crat. Yeah. Demon rat. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it, at the end of the day, all it does is it makes people pick sides and it just doesn't really allow for anything to get done. So I'm excited for this lawsuit to see what comes out of this. Yeah. Yeah. I see what screenshots they got, what receipts they got. Yeah. So you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm gonna promise on this one, Zach, I'm just gonna pay attention to this one and uh try and give an update as often as possible without being too redundant all right thank you nick this episode wasn't too bad it didn't go as bad as i thought it would yeah my you know (laughs) the train and the dog (laughs) yeah which will be cut out out. yeah that'll all be cut out (laughs) yeah so hopefully the listeners didn't think we stumbled through this one too bad but uh, it's good to be back. I'll say that. Oh yeah, we've got some bigger stuff coming in the near future. Uh, we're, are we releasing an interview? Uh, yeah, I'll probably put that out tonight, right? Okay. Or maybe uh, yeah, an interview will be coming. It'll be out, out soon. <laughs> It'll be out soon. So look forward to that. Uh, our social media will be linked in the show notes along with the articles that we talked about tonight. Check that out. Feel free to send us any articles, any thoughts or takes that you have on anything that you see. Anything else, Nick? I'll just thank you all for listening as always. Glad to be back. Talk to you next time.